tonight we're going to continue on in our series on relationships. And if you've been with us over the past couple of weeks at our worship night, our large group, uh, we've been building our foundation for the semester by looking at Genesis 1 through 3. And for the remainder of the semester, really what we're going to do is we're going to build off that foundation by looking at different types of relationships that we have and about what God says about them through his word. Tonight, the first relationship, first kind of relationship that we're going to talk about is uh, friendship, right? Is friends. Uh, and we're actually going to talk about that next week, too. This is just what part one. Now, you might be wondering, if we're talking about friends, right, why would we start with that in a series on relationships, right? Why not you know, dating or sex or marriage or all the, you know, the good stuff, the juicy stuff? Um, give us the goods, man. Uh, well... Uh, quite frankly, uh, I would say this. Those relationships are actually not as important as your friendships. I would say that. I, I said this a few weeks ago at our worship night, uh, and I mean it now as much as I did then, that in Genesis 2, when God says it's not good for man to be alone, and then he makes Eve, he doesn't just give Adam a husband, sorry, Adam a, a wife, right? <laughs> He gives, uh, he gives the possibility of all relationships, right? The solution to uh, mankind's loneliness is not marriage, right? It's relationship in all of its forms. And the truth is, for right now, because none of you, I think, are married, to my knowledge that I'm aware of. None of you are married. You can always correct me. Uh, that means that none of you have made any sort of permanent commitment for God or the law, or each other, about, uh, you know, that you're never going to desert, like, your romantic partner. And what that means is that at the end of the day, right, that person could decide to just leave you tomorrow. Like, they could do that. Uh, they'd be within their rights to break up with you. And they could just say, like, why? Because I'm not interested in you anymore. And they could do that. And there would be no recourse. There would be no excuses. That just that would be the way that it worked. And now that I've had that depressing start to our talk, because all the people in relationships are like, "Are you going to leave me?" No, they're probably not going to leave you tonight. Uh, and if they do, for the record, if you leave your girlfriend tonight or your boyfriend tonight, and it's and you tell them like, "I'm sorry, I'm just not into it anymore," you've completely missed the boat on everything that I've said tonight. But that's neither here nor there, right? Uh, I I simply want to underscore the truth that the most vital relationship in your life right now is your friendships. And um, I'll say this too. Now, you might say uh, that your significant other is your best friend. I mean, for a lot of you, that's probably true. Uh, but I'll, I'll say two things about that. First, um, I am sure that y'all will stay thick as thieves when, if you guys were to break up, right? If you're saying like, oh, but they're my best friend and they'd be my best friend no matter what. Like, even if we broke up, they'd be my best friend. I'm sure y'all will stay thick as thieves as that person moves on and dates somebody cuter and funnier and hotter and more amazing than you are. And they're like, oh my gosh, I, this person's all I ever wanted in a, in a girlfriend or boyfriend. And like, oh, I'm so glad that I, I finally found the person of my dreams. I'm sure you guys will stay super great friends when that happens. Uh, and on the off chance that you do, maybe you're not as petty as I am. Because for the record, I would be super petty. Uh, if that's not you, right? All I would say is that still, like, that means that you're in maybe the greatest friendship of all time, and therefore this matters, right? That's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, we're we're going to start with friendships for that reason. So 
As we start with friendships, we're actually going to look at the book of Proverbs, uh, which is a type of ancient wisdom literature. And as the name suggests, Proverbs comes to us in the form of little bite-sized nuggets called Proverbs, right? And they're, they're nuggets of godly wisdom, many of them written by King Solomon, but also some of his contemporaries, other people attributed, uh, uh, contributed to the book of Proverbs. And we're going to look at a few of those nuggets and cobble together what Scripture is trying to tell us about friendship. So if you're a note taker, right, that's really our big question for the evening. What is friendship? What's friendship, right? Uh, let's read our Proverbs that we have uh, starting in 1824. Uh, it says this, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Uh, 27.10 says this, Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend. Do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. Uh, 16.28, A dishonest man spreads strife, spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. 27, 5 through 6 says this, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. But faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. And then 27, 9. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Uh, let's pray. Dear God, uh, I just pray that you would let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. All right, let's look at our first proverb from 1824 as we seek to answer the question, what is friendship? Yeah, 1824. You're on top of it. Ezra's just crushing the game. Uh, What is friendship? Look with me at uh, verse 24 here. Here we have kind of two pieces of related wisdom, right? Let's take the wisdom in the first line first, uh, that ruin can come to a person with lots of friends, lots of companions. When life storms come, when your back is against the wall, uh, this this proverb says that the sheer number of people in one's life isn't going to count for much, right? Uh, Now, we should get something out of the way about the proverbs at the beginning. Uh, These are not like these are not like horoscopes or like magic formulas, okay? If you do them, like God isn't like going to change all the world and make sure that everything goes right for you when you do something that a proverb says. Um, essentially, the proverbs uh, are contextless, right? There's no, there's no context to this situation where you're coming to ruin and there's a friend and a brother. There's no story behind it. And so it's kind of just dropped here without context. And that lack of context, right, if we're not careful, sometimes it can be read as, you know, that this is like an endorsement in every situation, right? It can be like uh, that you can press it all the way to its fullest extent. And if you do something like that with this proverb, right, you could push this proverb to say something like, um, of, you can avoid having problems in life. You know, you can avoid ruin if you only have a couple of friends, right? That as long as you have a couple of friends, then everything will go right with you. And that this is somehow like God making some sort of pact. And if you can figure it out and navigate it the right way, then God's just going to like make everything smooth sailing in your life. And that's not really uh, the point of the Proverbs. Because, uh, I mean, the truth is this is, usurps the control 
of our lives that God has in his plan. And it wouldn't make a lot of sense if you could somehow control God and his plan by listening to him, right? Like that you can't be in control if he's the one giving you the wisdom in the first place. So instead, right, the true wisdom of the Proverbs is contained in knowing how to apply this wisdom, right? And what, what's the right context to, to use it? And here it seems to simply be saying that when push comes to shove, right, having a lot of people that you know or who might say they even care or who might pretend to care, that's no substitute for a true friend in a moment of crisis, for a true friend who really does care. There has to be a closeness in the relationship for there to be a true friendship, a, a depth uh, of the relationship for a friendship to take place. Now, that might seem intuitive. You're like, duh, Nick, friends are close. Uh, everybody knows that. Uh, but I would say this, that's why the second part of this proverb is here. The first part might seem obvious. The second part helps you understand why it's there. Uh, the enemy to depth in friendship is breadth of friendship. Let me say that again. The enemy to depth of friendship is breadth of friendship. What do I mean by that? Uh, think, about, think about the nature of the family unit, what it's compared to here. right? It's actually the finitude or like the limit of a family unit that creates its sense of closeness. right? The fact that you're like in a household together uh, creates the fact that you have some sort of solidarity with the people in your home. Siblings are not unlimited. right? Your parents can't have a million kids. Though maybe since you guys are in Wisconsin and you're Catholic, some of you have tried, um, <laughs> admittedly. Sorry, was that a, I meant that as a compliment, um, right? I, 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 I think that means that like people, for particularly in our context, like we really do get that there's a sense that family is really important, that it's maybe even more important. Maybe your parents sat you down at some point and told you like your brother and sister or your brother or your sister, they're the only people you can trust in this world. And they might, have, they might have meant it, right? Well, uh, that can't be true if you have a million brothers and sisters, right? Like uh, if everyone was one big family, we might, we might actually get along better, right? But that doesn't mean that you would be the same amount of close to everybody, right? Just as the closeness of a family unit is its finitude, the same is true of friends, right? Friendship, uh, if you're a note taker, this is our answer to our first uh, our first answer to our question, like what is friendship, right? Friendship is a close relationship, right? It's a close relationship and it's close based on proximity outside of other people, right? That there's some aspect of you can't be close to everybody all, all the time, right? That's, that's physically true and it's also emotionally true, right? I can't, if there's, a, there's only so many people, if you tried to all be close to me and we all got COVID or whatever, um, if, you, if you tried to get only so close to me, right, there's a limit to how many people can be around me. The same is true spiritually. Now, uh, by definition, uh, that means you can only have so many friends. And the Bible is saying that there is a way to have uh, so many friends that you truly don't have one, right? This is probably where, I think this is actually like, uh, I'm not going to give the proverb credit for this uh, term, but it's sort of where it comes from. Uh, the term frenemies, you guys heard, I mean, you guys have heard the term frenemies, right? Okay, yes. Uh, particularly, like, I, I couldn't help but think about uh, Regina George whenever I, like, read this. If you've ever seen Mean Girls, Regina George is, like, the, she's sort of the main character. She's, like, the main, the foil to the main characters, the villain or whatever. 
And uh, at one point in the movie, she comes up to the main character and she says, you're like really pretty. And uh, the main character receives that and says, oh, thank you. And she goes, oh, so you agree. You think you're really pretty, right? And uh, like the truth is that like we have people in our lives that are Regina Georges, right? Like what the Bible is saying here is that there are people in everyone's life, right? If you have many companions, there are going to be people there who are kind of frenemies, who are, you know, maybe they're with you, maybe they're not, they're half in, half out, and that, uh, you know, not to spend your time on those people. They won't help you when ruin comes. Uh, Now, here's the thing. I say that out loud, and you're like, well, duh, I don't want to spend my time on people who, like, hate me or whatever. Well, then why do you have frenemies? Because some of you have them, and I know, because you sit in front of me at coffee, and you tell me about them, right? Uh, Like... Sorry, it's true. Um, you're like, wait, who's telling about who? Nobody in this room. None, none of you have talked about each other ever. Um, right? So uh, here's, here's what I'm I mean that. You, oh, gosh. We're off the rails here. Um, don't think too hard about it. What I'm saying is this. Like, you, it might seem intuitive to you that you would never spend time with people like that. But I would say that the status and the approval that comes with those friendships is something you actually really desire and it'll keep you strung out in those friendships for a long time, right? If you think about it, like the reason that Regina George like continues to like be able to have some power in that movie, right? With the main character, Lindsay Lohan's character is because she's cool. It's because she's cool. And every time that she talks to the main character, she feels cool too. And then it ends up sucking her in, right? Uh, Now you might think that's a stupid movie. Nobody ever acts like that, but I would, I would beg to differ. Right, that we actually gain a lot of our sense of identity and worth from our friendships. And sometimes we're only in friendships because we think that person's going to affirm us and they're going to make us feel good. And the truth is we're doing that with a lot of people and we don't actually have any real friends. Right, that's, for the record, this is also why we don't just have large group in RUF. Right, this, this particular proverb is why we don't have just large group in RUF. Right? We have small groups for this reason. Right? In RUF, you can't just come here, be anonymous, hang around in a big group, and then leave. Right? That's, that's the opposite of what this is saying to do. Right? We have small groups because we need to be connected to one another in a meaningful way. We have to be actually close, invest in a few meaningful relationships. Right? So that's my plug for joining a small group. You don't have to. just. But the general wisdom of this is that if you don't have a, a small group, if you don't have people you can really trust, like a few close people, right, you're headed for ruin. That's the, that's the wisdom, right? But how do we know, right? So that's that wisdom. How do we know that we've accomplished it? Right? How do we know that we've become close to somebody? What makes someone close? Look with me at Proverbs 27.10. Let's look at our second proverb here. Now, one way to read this proverb is that it's disparaging, like, the family unit, right? That brothers or sisters... Uh, for that matter, right? Every time you see like uh, brothers like this, um, this is actually a plural. Uh, do not go to your brother's house. That could actually be brother or sister in the Hebrew. So don't go to your brother or sister's house uh, on the day of your calamity, right? Uh, it could be saying that like they're not very reliable, right? You could take this to say that like uh, brothers and sisters aren't, aren't as reliable as friends, aren't very good people to rely on. But that's actually the negative way to read this parable. Uh, siblings in the ancient world were actually incredibly important. Uh, more often than not, they shared in the family business. 
Uh, whether that was farming or herding or trading, most families would have as many children as they can because that helps you actually maintain and grow your business and you uh, need as many hands as you can get. And so siblings were expected to work very closely with one another and to depend upon one another. So it's not critiquing the flakiness of a brother's help, but rather it's probably emphasizing the tested nature of a true friend, right? Comparing it to one of the most trusted relationships in the ancient world, right? If you were to ask somebody, who can you really trust in the ancient world? They'd probably say your brother. And the Bible's saying, you know what? As true as that is, friends can be trusted even more. It's, uh, the wisdom here is that a true friend is very trustworthy, even over a, an amazing sibling. Uh, the second part simply builds on this premise uh, by obvious contrast, right? Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. This like contrast, he says, like no matter how close you feel to a sibling, right? A neighbor who is physically close can be more used to you in a disaster, right? The use of that word neighbor, right, is striking because you'll notice that he doesn't use friend, but like whoever the author of the psalm is doesn't use friend both times. Uh, instead, uh, it uses the word neighbor. Uh, that, that word neighbor in the Hebrew can even mean, sometimes it means like stranger. And uh, it, it's a very like fluid word, not like the one above it, friend and father's friend, which is somebody who is uh, somebody who has stuck with the family for many years, right? This is a multi-generational friend, 20, 30 years. At the, at the end of the day, right, even a stranger what this is saying is even a stranger that will choose to show up for you is extremely valuable, right? Again, more valuable than maybe the most reliable relationship in the world, a sibling. That choice, that choice, right, that they choose to show up for you, that's at the center of what constitutes relationship, what constitutes friendship, sorry. That's what this proverb is driving at when it compares this this siblinghood uh, to friendship, it's driving at the fact that one of these is a choice. And even a neighbor that makes a choice for you is technically more committed to you than just flesh and blood. Friends are there for you because they choose to be. So freely chosen commitment right, is at the basis of friendship. Right? So if we, think about our se- if we want to get to our second answer here, uh, if we uh, could think through it. So what is friendship? Friendship, I said it's a close relationship, but it's also a committed relationship. Uh, I don't know if you guys have read or seen the Harry Potter movies. Have you guys read, seen the Harry Potter movies? I'm talking to Gen Z, so some of you guys are like, ugh, Harry Potter. Anyways, if you've seen the movies, right, uh, it's why Ron comes across as such a douche in the seventh movie, right? It's why, it's because he's always complaining, right? Uh, he becomes suspicious that Harry's moving in on Hermione, and then he thinks, like, you know, the, the Harry ha- has something going on with her romantically. And he gets jealous of Harry's fame. And he gets, he's jealous of his abilities. And he doesn't have a plan. He's just grumbling all the time. And, and then, like, it, you know, as you watch the movie, he just leaves. He just, like, decides, like, you get in a fight. And instead of sticking it out and actually trying to be a true friend, he just says, you know what, I'm done. And leaves. And he can't find a way to get home. Classic Ron. Uh, the reason, right, that that feels so wrong when you watch that scene, the reason that feels so wrong and selfish is because commitment is the basis of friendship, right? Commitments, that you stick by somebody through thick and thin, right? Regardless of what arguments you get into, regardless of how people treat you, like this is what people care about, right? That they stick with you. And this is also, for what it's worth, like, 
This is why marriage is often seen as like the highest form of friendship, right? It's, it's this reason that commitment is really what constitutes even marriage, right? It's what, it's what a marriage is about, right? Without it, what are you? You're not really married at all. You're just, you're not even friends, right? If we think about this, it might be worth asking yourself in the wake of that, like, do you have friends that are committed to you, right? That feel this way about you, um, the, the truth is that like our whole culture is built around making that making commitment particularly hard, right? Think about uh, we, uh, our generation, like yours and mine, are the most transient generations that have ever existed on the face of the earth. We move so much, right? And we move because uh, we follow the money, right? Sometimes we follow the experiences, and sometimes, right, uh, the truth is that we just stop being friends because we get married and then we stop having time for anybody. And we think that that's the end all be all of relationship is, uh, is uh, a romantic or an erotic relationship. And the book of Proverbs, I'd say this, is cautioning us away from that kind of living, right? Because committed friendships, like not, not ones where you don't care and you move around. Um, I have a few friends, unfortunately in my job, I can't do this, but like I have a few friends in St. Louis that they turn down jobs pretty regularly in other places because they are all committed with living each other, living with each other. Uh, it's like three or four single guys. They live in a house in St. Louis and they've been there for years and they're going to be there for years. And they have, and I know some of them have gotten job offers elsewhere for more money and they turn them down because they actually really want to be friends with each other. Um, th- that's what this looks like, right? Uh, Okay, if we do that, right, if we do this close, exclusive relationship that's committed, uh, it's worth looking at what that yields in terms of a quality of friendship, right? What does it look like when you live that out? Uh, look with me at Proverbs 16.28. Let's look at Proverbs 16.28. Uh, the word spread here, right, dishonest man spreads strife. It's actually the same word that's used uh, in another, like, episode of the Bible in Judges 15, a man named Samson, he catches 300 foxes and he ties torches to their tails. And then he lets them go and they run and he like, well, he lights the torches and then he lets them go and they run through the fields of his enemies and they burn all the fields down, right? Uh, kind of a crazy story. But uh, just as Samson, right, just as he spread destruction through the fields by uh, letting these foxes go, right, in the form of fire, Dishonesty in relationships, it spreads its own strife. It spreads destruction of friendship. And the truth is, you don't have to guess how that happens. Like, why would, why would uh, dishonesty, why would that, like, hurt friendship, friendships? Well, um, why would it cause strife? Well, the next line tells us that a whisperer separates close friends, Right, uh, whisperers uh, is an, it's an often used use, euphemism in the Hebrew for gossip. Right, somebody who gossips, they like whisper behind backs. They're like, you know, they never say anything like full throated. They they tell people in their ears, and they they don't want anybody to know what they're saying. Um, this this is the proverb, as the proverb says, like right that drives wedges between friends. And that's our third answer, right, to our question, right? Instead of whispering, instead of gossiping, instead of uh, being dishonest with our friends, uh, we're actually supposed to be candid with our friends. Candid. Friendship is candid. That's our third answer. It's close, it's committed, and it's candid. 
This is why Jesus in Matthew 18, he gives us instructions how we're to handle like our relationships when we've been hurt. What are we supposed to do with friends when we've been hurt? He says this uh, in Matthew 18, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone, right? If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Uh, That's just this lived out, right? Uh, It's when you have a problem with someone, it's not going to somebody else and talking about your problem with that person. It's you taking the onus to go to that person and tell them, you hurt me. You hurt me in this way. You hurt me in in how you said or you did this thing uh, instead of going around and telling everybody else how bad they are. Um, Again, you should ask yourself, like, can you do that? Do you have friends that do that? Do they come to you with their hurts or do they go and talk about you to other people? Right? That's not a real friend. Uh, and I'll tell you why we do it. It's because we, it feels good, right? When you loop your friend in on hating on your other friend, right? When you say like, oh, they're so flaky sometimes or they're late to stuff or they didn't show up. Like, yeah, they do that a lot. Yeah, it sucks. And now you have this own little club where you get to diminish this other person and you guys both feel like you're really good people. Right? That's not a real friend. All right, well, uh, how, do we, how do we do this? Right? How do we do this then? If, if we're not supposed to talk to other people and we're uh, going straight to each other and we're committed and uh, we're close, like, uh, wh- what will that do for the world? What's in it for us to have a friendship like that? It actually sounds kind of hard or arduous. Let's look at all our remaining Proverbs all at once. Put them all on one slide. Look at all these. And they're all hitting the same point, I would say, that a true friend offers counsel, right? A true friend offers critique. What's in it for you? They'll help you navigate life, right? And in fact, uh, in 27.6, we see that it's actually a sign of true friendship that you, are, that you actually say something hard or difficult to your friend, right? An enemy doesn't. An enemy will smile and tell you that you look really pretty, and then when you accept, right, they... Say like, so you agree, you look pretty, right? That's, that's an enemy. Enemies flatter people constantly, right? They, get, they butter you up because it makes them feel better. They get to be in your close proximity. You flatter them and it all works out great until, of course, you get bad advice, right? Somebody just tells you to do whatever you want and what you want is actually not good. It's one of the things we just talked about, right? It's got you, what you want is to gossip and they take it in. What you want is to just walk away from the relationship, one of your relationships. They say, yeah, you should. You should just leave that person. Forget about them, right? What we need is uh, friendship, not fangirling. Okay. Uh, there you go. Boom. That's, you can put that in a tweet. Uh, um, right? Of course, right? If we think about these, some of these other ones, like this one gets used all the time. I see this in like bodybuilding and in like gyms and stuff. Like, Come on, man. It's about friendship, you know? Like, it's not about, like, getting bulky, you know? Uh, it, it's about friendship. It's about uh, the pain that actually friendship causes, right? If you're a real friend, just like iron sharpens iron, if you've, I don't know how much you guys are aware of metallurgy, but uh, you use iron to sharpen iron in the sense that, like, you can get an iron anvil and you heat up iron ore. And in order to fashion it into spears or anything like that, you actually take usually like an iron hammer and you hammer it, right, into the shape that you want it to be, right? If that's what friendship is, is somebody just beating something, right? Like that doesn't, that sounds hard, but the truth is that that, that sharpens you, that that makes you a better person, 
right? Someone who just flatters you all the time and says whatever you want, right? They aren't sweet. They aren't earnest in their counsel, right? They're actually leading you to ruin. They're not your friend. Um, uh, what that means is, right, uh, our fourth and final answer to our question, like what is friendship? Friendship is a close, committed, candid counsel, right? It's a close, committed, candid counsel or critique. Um, when, I don't know if you guys watch Ted Lasso. Uh, if you don't, you absolutely should. Uh, but the second season, yeah, full-throated endorsement. Uh, the second season, there's, a, uh, there's this scene where um, the, one of the coaches, it's not Ted, but one of the coaches starts dating this girl who is just awful. She's really mean to him, and they fight every time they get together, just like knock down, drag out, just screaming at each other every time. And all the coaches are sitting there, and one of the guys, his name's Leslie, uh, begins to like say something to the – because he says like, uh, Coach, uh, did you and you know, your girlfriend break up? And the guy's like, actually, we just got back together. And everyone's like, oh, that's great. We're so happy you are together. I am so happy about this fact. You know, they're all like faking that they're happy for him, right? And the truth is they're not because it's an awful relationship. The girl's really mean to him and abusive, and it's just not good for either of them. And Leslie wants to say something. So he starts. He goes, so I was thinking maybe, and everyone, like literally Ted's like, yeah, blah, 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 and just keeps like saying, like, he's like, but you should, he's like, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. And their counsel to, to Leslie is like not to tell his friend that he's actually in a really rough relationship. And uh, at the end, right, he finally does. He like, every, while he gets uh, coach alone, he tells him like, look, I'm really concerned about this relationship. I don't think it's good for you. And they end up hugging. Right? Because the coach realizes that that's actually being a true friend. Unlike everybody else who wants to just keep it even keel, just let everything go, let him make his own mistakes, let him do what's unwise for him. I don't care. Right, The only one who actually cares about him, who's willing to actually sink their friendship, because that's how much he cares about him. Right, More than the affirmation he gets, he cares about the person. He moves out towards him and tells him what he actually thinks. Like, that's real friendship. If you haven't had a friend look you in the eye lately and tell you something you didn't want to hear, then I would argue you haven't had a friend in a while. Okay, so friendship, right, is close, committed, candid counsel. The truth is, like, how are we going to live up to that standard, right? How do we, how do we have people that can do this? How do we become people who do this? Here's, here's the, the bad news and the good news. The bad news is you can't. None of us are perfect friends. None of us are going to do all this perfectly. But here's the good news, uh, that you don't have to live up to that standard, right? In fact, uh, the basis of Christian friendship is that you won't and you can't and that you have somebody for both of you that is going to be there when both of you fail. Um, If you pull up John 15, uh, in closing, I want to think through, I think it's the next slide, yeah. I, I, wanna, I, I just want to point out something about Jesus for a second. Um, Jesus says in this parable that you are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants. Uh, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have from, heard from my father, I have made known to you. Right? You didn't choose me, but I chose you. Uh, Jesus is everything we want in a true friend. Right? Close. Uh, he's actually um, 
you don't know this or not, like when he ascended, it's not because he doesn't want to be here. It's actually, he sends his Holy Spirit so that he can actually take up residence in each of us individually, right? He's close. He's committed. I chose you. You didn't choose me, but I have loved you on the cross before you ever deserved it. Before you did anything to deserve it, I have loved you. He's committed to us. He's candid, right? I want you to do what I command you, right? I know what's best. Do, do this, right? Uh, you will bear fruit. And, and that means he's also willing to counsel us, willing to critique us, tell us the Bible is all full of things. Tonight, for instance, is passages that tell us where we don't measure up and where we could do better, right? Jesus is literally all the friend we could ever need. And that means that you and I, right, we can be in these close, committed, candid, counseling friendships because we aren't looking at each other, trying to approve of each other, trying to get things out of each other. And in Christ, right, because he actually loves us first and because he has taken the weight of all that pressure and all that sin that we bring into our friendships, because that is on him, right, we can live free. That he's loved us and we're safe and we're, we're committed and we can care for one another well. Let me pray for us. Uh, Lord, I do thank you for...